Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Genuinely, genuinely my least favourite part of this process is the introduction. Thank you though. Thank you team. Give the, give the band a round of applause, would you? Always looking after us. Um, I've been looking around, there's a lot of faces that I don't know, so if I don't know you, please allow me to offer two facts about myself. My favourite uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is, of course, Donatello. Um, now, I understand there's conjecture whether he should be a Ninja Turtle because his art might not actually be in the Renaissance period, but we'll talk about that another time. The other thing I want you to know about me is that my favourite colour is probably the shade of blue that's on the Estonian world flag. I've thought about it a lot. Um, so search that out in your own time. Um, but for now, if you'd like to join me uh, in Psalms chapter 1, I'm going to be speaking from Psalms tonight, and I'm very excited to bring this word because I believe it's a practical word. It's something that I hope when we leave here tonight will give us a bit of direction, something that we can do through the week um, to know that we are close to God and to know that his hand is upon us. So I'm going to read out Psalms chapter 1. It should come up on the screen behind me as well, um, so please feel free to follow along with me. It reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff of the wind that drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray before we get started. I thank you for your word tonight, God. I thank you that you have blessing for your people. And whatever comes against it, Lord, I thank you. You also give us the ways to overcome it. Be with us here tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be going through this passage with you tonight because as I was reading it, I realized there's a couple of really key practical principles about the things that God wants to do for us. In fact, it starts by saying, blessed is the man. What that suggests to me is we're getting a picture here of how we can be blessed by God. And there's going to be parts of this message that might feel a bit heavy, but I'm just reading through what the Scripture says. In that first part of Psalms, we're seeing a couple of things that were suggested probably not to do. Blessed is the man who does not do X, Y, and Z. But then it says, blessed is the man who does. And I find this really interesting because in our lives right now, I can promise you that God wants your best. He wants you to know his love. He wants you to walk in the future that he has for you. He wants you to be free of pain, free of sin, free of guilt, free of shame. He wants you to be blessed. But there's things in our life that probably don't want us to be blessed. There's things that happen in the world that we live since the fall of man. There's a separation of God and a desire in us to go towards sin. Not just that, we know in Scripture it says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and these strongholds that stand against us. What we know is that there's something that doesn't want us to be blessed, but God wants us to be blessed. So this passage of Scripture shows us a couple of ways that we contend with that. So what I want to talk about tonight are the don'ts and the do's of doing blessed. I'm going to give you three don'ts from the Scripture and two do's from the Scripture about how you and I can be blessed in the way that God suggests. So that's the plan for tonight. You feeling good? 
Excellent. Well, let's just dive right in. Why is it that the don'ts come first? I find this really interesting. Why does it say, why does it say in the scripture, you'll be blessed when you do this, 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 and then don't do this, this, this. I think that's really important for us to understand. I reckon the don'ts come first because God is freely making available for us his blessing. His hand's already extended. His gift's already been given. He wants you to encounter his love, his power, his grace, his mercy. He wants you to know that. He's already made it possible. But then there's things that stop us from getting to that blessing. So perhaps the don'ts come first, not because we need to discover the blessing, but because we need to get over the things that stop us from getting to that blessing. So I'm going to start from verse 1 again. But before I do, I just want to tell you a little story. I need to get this off my chest. Sometimes I treat this like therapy. Um, for those that don't know, uh, I've done some teaching at a university um, for the last six years, and I was teaching in this subject, and there's an assignment in this subject where the student had to explain to me the difference of violence in conflict zones in Africa between men and women. That was the task. So they came to me for some advice. Now, just so you know in terms of context, I know what the answer is. I know what I'm looking for. I'm marking the paper. As such, what I tell you, put in the paper, you'll get a good mark. Really simple, I thought. So the student came to me for advice, and they started to ask me a question. As they're asking me the question, oh, what should I do about this? Another student, let's call her Boris. Um, another student named Boris is on the other side of the room and says, actually, do you know what I would do? Do you know what I'd do about that question? I'd look about the data about domestic assault in Australia. I think that'd be wonderful. That'd be really interesting. It'd be wrong. It'd be wrong because the question was about conflict situations in Africa. But this student over here thought, young Boris, young Boris thought that her, his uh, perspective was more important than the one of the person marking. Didn't make sense to me that their advice was offered and indeed it was disregarded. Praise the Lord. If you wanted to know something about curling, the wonderful Olympic sport, don't talk to me about it. I don't know anything about it. If you wanted to know something about the nuclear non-proliferation regime in North Korea, talk to me about it. We can talk for hours. If you want to know about NRL, talk to Mai. If you want to know about NBA, talk to Zach. Probably not to me. The reason why I'm saying this is because verse 1 starts with something really interesting. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And the first point I want to say is, is about this. Taking wisdom from the wisdomless. We lose our blessing. We step out of the blessing of God when we take our direction from people who don't know where we're going. We lose our direction when people who don't know the direction of God start telling us how we should live and how we should act. But the blessing of God comes upon our life when we seek His direction, when we seek His counsel, and when we seek His wisdom. Like the student that came to me for essay advice, they would have had a better outcome given my knowledge than Boris's knowledge. Just so you know, the name of the person wasn't Boris. I'm just concerned that they will be watching this because once I proved them wrong in a class and they made a meme about it. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Bit of fun. Bit of fun. Bit of fun. Um, but anyway, so what I want you to know tonight is that sometimes when we're walking our life, when we're making those major life decisions, I want to encourage you that you will find the blessing of God if you make that decision in God, if you make that decision in godly counsel. How do we do that? And there's several ways that we can do that. Firstly, surround yourself by good godly people. Actually, make sure that the people around you that you seek advice from, that you get those serious conversations from, make sure they know the Lord. 
because they will be able to speak from the things of God and they'll be able to encourage you. For those that are in high school, go to youth. Spend some time with a youth leader. Go to your connects. Talk to the connect leaders. Come to church. Talk to your pastors. Every single opportunity is available for you so that you can have the godly counsel to make the decisions that you need moving forward. Maybe you want to read the Word of God and actually find God's direction in what He writes in Scripture. He's made that available for you as well. And not just that, let's not forget that when Jesus left the earth, He said it was better that He would go because then we would have a counsel. We would have a guide through the Holy Spirit. So if you want wisdom and direction for your life, the Holy Spirit is available to you personally so that he can give you that direction. So the first don't is don't seek wisdom from the wisdomless. Don't walk down through the advice of the ungodly. The second is this, don't stand in the path of sinners. I'm going to get this off my chest as well. Do you know what I hate? I hate people who can't walk at a reasonable pace in a shopping center. <laughs> Come on now. I really don't like when people with nine prams think that what we should do is stop and chat long ways. I don't think that's reasonable at all. When someone stops in my path, I get aggressive. I've told you a story before about how I accidentally kicked over a toddler in Disneyland. She shouldn't have stood there. She shouldn't have stopped. I don't know. Um, but this is part of what this scripture is saying as well in this ridiculous illustration, is that we shouldn't stop or stand in the path of sinners. There's a couple of points I want to draw out for this. If you want to be blessed, then surround yourself by people that aren't going to lead you to sin. So take a moment to be honest with yourself. What is it that you struggle with and how much of that is encouraged by the environment that you put yourself in? If you find yourself with a drinking habit, but you're, sending, you're spending four nights a week with people who constantly drink, you've got to see that those things are correlated. Don't stand in the path of the sinner. Don't stand in the path of people that will encourage you and direct you towards sin. If you want to be blessed, if you want to see the blessing of God, get out of the path of the sinner. The other thing I want to say about this is that it says don't stand in the path of the sinner. And this one I want to say because it's very important. There's a lot of people in this church right now who are relatively new to your faith there's a lot of young people right now that there's stuff going on in your life and you're dealing with a lot of things that you're trying to change. God knows that we would be in sin. Jesus knew that you and I would sin. Do you know what's incredible? But even though he knew that, he still died for the chance that we would give that sin over. For the chance that maybe you and I would recognize that and seek repentance from our sin, he did it knowing what your sin is. The encouragement from this scripture tonight isn't that if you sin, you should stop and you should break down and you should weep and then you should deal with it and you should lament. The scripture here is encouraging you to say, just don't stand in your sin. If you're walking your life and inevitably something might happen, you trip up on something that you've been trying to work on, you do something that you think is taking away from God, let this scripture encourage you. Don't stand there. The last thing God wants you to do is feel so guilty from your sin, to feel so weighed down from your sin that you never leave it. He doesn't want you to be guilty. He doesn't want you to be condemned. He wants you to be convicted of that sin so he can free you, but he doesn't want you to stand in it. 
And right now, so many of you might be thinking about things that you've done. You've got guilt. You've got shame of the things in the past. The worst thing that you can do is stand in that sin. Except the fact that God right now is extending his hand to you to forgive you of that once for all. That the sacrifice Jesus made is indeed eternal. And there is no sin too great for Jesus to forgive you. There's no weight that is too heavy for him to take off your shoulders. The worst thing that you could do is stand in that sin. Put yourself in a position where you stay surrounded by that. He's saying to you tonight, just walk through it. Walk through it. If you do see yourself in sin, then you turn to God, you ask for his forgiveness, you ask for his strength, and you get out of there because you don't need to stand in the path of the sinner. If you want to see the blessing of God, then don't let yourself stand in that sin. He wants to set you free. And he wants to set you free indeed. It doesn't matter what part of your life you're on with Jesus. There always comes that point where you need to be reminded that he has set you free. So don't stand in that path. The third don't that I want to talk about comes from the last part of this scripture. It says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Have you ever... Um, experienced someone that is just always negative, um, that just always tells you what you do wrong. Um, I'm on a uh, netball team. Um, I am, I know. I, I know I look like an athlete. Um, oh, also, it's a mixed netball team. I don't chuck on a wig and, you know, just blend in. Um, but while we're playing netball, I find that often, because I'm large, um, I get called for things that I believe are unfair. And I'm a little bit sassy, <laughs> Michaela. Um, I'm a little bit sassy. Um, just for example, again, thank you for letting me get this off my chest. Um, I was standing clearly more than three foot away from the, thank you, Michaela, from this person clearly, clearly, and she blew the whistle, the umpire, and called distance, and I went, really? <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. But what I found is that I felt like this umpire just saw everything that I did, even if it wasn't wrong, and blew that blew that whistle. Um, but I didn't think I was doing anything wrong, but I felt that pressure of her constantly blowing that whistle. This last part of the verse here, sitting in the seat of the scornful, is talking about something similar in our life. Now, the word scornful, it actually has a definition when applied to Scripture. Scornful in Scripture actually means someone who has contempt or disdain for the ways and the Word of God. Contempt or disdain, that simply means someone who thinks that the way of God is worthless, that the Word of God does not deserve respect, and it's not something that we should consider. The Scripture here says that we are not blessed if we sit in the seat of the scornful. How can I explain that tonight? It's simply that we put ourselves in a position where we believe we're a better judge than God about how he should do his things, <laughs> how he should lead his life or our lives, how he should guide the church or how he should um, rule over the world. We think that we're more qualified to speak on God's behalf than he is. Perhaps we might think that his word is not worth our time or attention we might think that what he's doing isn't really worth our attention. We take a seat in that role of critic and we tell God what he's doing wrong. The practical sense here is the fact that when we come into church and we hear the word of God and we see the work of God, that we criticize it. That we criticize the word and work of God because we don't think it's good enough for us or we think we can do it better. The reason why I'm saying this tonight, again, I'm sorry if it sounds heavy, but it, it's scripture. Um, the reason I'm saying it tonight is because if you want to be blessed, 
in the ways of God, then we're going to need to change our language. We're going to need to stop looking at the things of God with contempt or disdain or thinking that we know better or can do better. And I have fallen victim to this. I've grown up in church my whole life and there's been so many times where I think, well, I could do that better. I can, I can definitely do that better here. But the reality is if I think about the things of God like that, I'm missing out on his blessing. I'm missing out on his blessing. Not the church, not the people on stage, me. Because I'm so consumed by what I think is wrong that I miss what God is saying is right. For example, tonight I'm speaking to you and there's people in this room that just don't like the way that I preach. It's fine. You've only got a few minutes left. I'm okay with that. You don't like the way that I preach. You don't like the way that I talk. You think my jokes aren't funny. It's all good. But if you come in here tonight and you're so fixated on not liking me, you're going to miss the fact that I'm preaching the Word of God. So instead of hearing what God has for your life and seeing blessing from His Word, you're so wrapped up in the way that I deliver or present, you don't get the blessing. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm doing what I believe God's told me. It doesn't affect me if you don't like me. It affects you. You miss the blessing of God. And this has happened to me time and time again. You walk in, you don't like the song list. Oh, here we go. Well, worship sucks because they played that song again. If I feel that way, then I miss the presence of God in worship. They don't care. <laughs> Miguel's going to keep drumming. He doesn't, he doesn't care. But I miss the chance to experience the presence of God. If I come in and I don't like the preacher, the preacher's going to keep preaching. But I've wasted half an hour of my life because I think I know better. If you want to be blessed, then we change the way that we speak about the things of God. Get excited about what he's doing. Come in and congratulate someone of singing awesome. Say to someone on the team that they're great. Say to someone who puts out food at the end that you're grateful. Just change the way you speak. If we get out of the seat of the scornful, then we will be blessed. And it doesn't just relate to this church. It relates to how we talk about other churches as well. There is no competition in the house of God, but unfortunately, sometimes we feel that way. Right now at Kings here at Reedy Creek, there's so many incredible ministries around us and so many times we might look at that and, well, they're doing better than us. They've got more people. Their band's cooler. They dress better. Whatever it might be. But let me tell you something. We will be robbed of the blessing of God if we look at what God is doing elsewhere with contempt or disdain. But if we look at another church and realize something, they're on the same team as us. We're serving the same Jesus. We're reaching the same goal. If I look at a church and say, Thank God that they can reach people that we couldn't. Praise God that there's people in that house and it's healthy and it's vibrant. I've got friends, I've got family that go to different churches and they were reached because there was another church in the right place with the right people at the right time. If I can change my perspective and change my language to stop being so scornful about the works of God, then I will be blessed. And so the third don't is don't do that. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. What I find really interesting about this first verse is that there's actually this sort of descending activity of verbs, um, just weird things I notice. But it starts by saying, don't walk in ungodly counsel, don't stand in the path of the sinner, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Can you see how the person just gradually slows down until they're stopping? When we start in these negative behaviors, when we start to step out of the blessing of God, it won't be long till we just stop. We think, well, where are we? What are we doing? I don't feel like I'm progressing in my life. I'm not going anywhere. Everything just seems to be 
just seems to suck. Every time I go to church, it's just dead. Everything's wrong. Everything's ruined. Oh, where am I going? And we start to cycle because gradually in our journey, we've slowed down to a stop. The blessed life of God is one that moves forward. It's one that advances. It's one that takes us to that next level. And I think that's really an important thing to notice here. If you feel like things are slowing down in your life, then start to ask yourself some questions. How can I change? Where have I changed my language? Where am I standing in that sin? Where is it that I'm being contemptuous in what I'm saying? If we start to adjust that, then we'll start to get that progress again in this regard. So now that we've done the don'ts, let's talk about a couple of do's. There's more than this in the scripture, but obviously um, for sake of time and the fact that we're talking from Psalms 1, there's just a couple I want to draw out. It comes from verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is the first do. Start to delight in God. Delight in the law of the Lord. Um, when I say the law of the Lord, you might get this strange image um, about rules. And again, allow me just to bit of therapy. I was playing handball the other day with my nephew and my niece. Now, when I was playing handball at school, John Howard was prime minister. I know what the rules are. We set that foundation. And then my nephew saying things like this sacrilege, and some of you might know this and it's disgusting. Apparently there's a rule called scoops. <laughs> if, you, if you think that's a fair rule, you're compensating for a lack of skill, my friend. Apparently, if the ball rolls on the ground, you can scoop it up and just continue to play. Outrageous. That is not the way that handball should be played. And I found myself getting really angry at an eight-year-old because he, he was wrong. Um, but <laughs> so often we think about God as a set of rules. We think of him as saying, this is what we do, this is what we don't do. What I find really interesting in this scripture is that it says that the blessed person delights in the law. They delight in the law. The law in this scripture, obviously it's written in Psalms. So the law they're referring to is actually what was instituted uh, to the country of Israel. The Ten Commandments and the rules associated with it that we now know. But why is it that someone delights in law, delights in rules? Because we've got to understand what the law and the rules are there for. For the people of Israel, the law of God was a sign of love and grace. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to live their life. And God said, these are ways that you can live so that you do it by me, so that you can see me, so that you can be godly, you can be my nation, my chosen people. God actually set these rules in place because he knows what we need and he knows where he wants to take us. When we change our perspective of what scripture is, it's not telling you what not to do, it's telling you what to do so you can know God. It's telling you what you can do so that you can know his love and his presence. It's telling us what not to do so we're not burdened by sin and guilt and shame. See, so when we think about the law of God, if we change our perspective to actually delight in it, God's giving us these instructions because he knows where he wants to take us. And in the end, we end up with him for eternity in full love, peace, grace, hope. Everything that is good comes from God. And the law is set up in a way that encourages us toward him. We can delight in that. We can delight in the instruction, the leading, and the guiding of God. If we change the way we think about living our life, then we can indeed see his blessing. And the last thing that I want to show you, the fifth uh, point here, is, and in his law, he meditates day and night. 
This phrase is really common in Scripture to meditate day and night, and it's a really important one. I think the reason why it's constantly brought up is because God knows that we, we need Him. God knows that there's a lot going on, and so many of you would be so busy right now. There's so much that goes on. You come to church on a Sunday, you're going to go home, you're going to do a few emails, you've got to get up for work tomorrow, you've got to make food for the kids, you've got to go to the shops, get some groceries, you've got some washing to put on, you've got all this stuff that happens, but we are blessed when we meditate on the ways of God day and night. It's God encouraging us and letting us know that I want to be a part of your life, and if you bring me in, I'll walk with you. I want to be a part of everything that you do. I want to be in your family. I want to be in your studies. I want to be in your church. I want to be in your workplace. I want to be in those moments where you're struggling, where you're sad, where you're feeling lonely. I want to be there. How do we do it? We meditate on his Lord day and night. Meditate is an interesting word. You might get a, a picture of a guru in the Himalayas. But it simply just means that you're constantly mindful, you're aware of God, that you're thinking about him that you might talk about him, that day and night, God actually play, plays a part in how you think, in how you feel, and how you act. So I think of some really simple ways to do that. It might start by downloading that Bible app, and every day you're going to get an alert with a scripture on it. So just read that scripture, one scripture, every day. But suddenly, you're beginning to meditate on God day and night. He becomes a part of your day. Maybe when you're at home, you've got some time to kill, you're going to chuck on a... Uh, Chuck on some worship music, tons of Spotify playlists, really simple to find. Just put that on and spend 10 minutes just listening to a couple of songs and thinking about God. It's really simple. Maybe when you've got a long drive, you're catching a train somewhere, you chuck on a podcast and listen to your favorite preacher. These are all really simple ways to bring God into your day. Maybe you just want to start the day by saying, all right, this is what I'm doing today, God, and I need your help with this, 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 this. And then you get to the end of your day and you say, God, thanks for being here. I know you were here for this. Thanks for doing this for me. Thanks for being here for me. I really appreciate this. God doesn't want us to be tricked. He doesn't want this to be complicated because he wants to be with us. He wants you to have his blessing. So I just want to encourage you to bring him in to your every day. You'll be blessed if God is a part of your daily so what does it look like when we avoid the don'ts and we do the do's? It's said in verse 3, you'll be planted as a tree, stable. You'll be planted by the rivers of water. That means you'll be satisfied. You'll constantly be satisfied in your life. You'll bring forth fruit in its season, which means that God will do something in your life, that you'll put your hands to thing and you'll actually see something come out of it. Your leaf will not wither. It speaks of strength that you won't always be feeling weak or down or depressed, but God will give you strength to be alive. But the cool thing about the leaf is it doesn't just give itself life, it gives life to those around them. So as you are being blessed by God, you are a conduit of the blessing of God to everyone around you as well. Whatever you do, whatever your hand finds to do, it will prosper. That suddenly work will feel different. Suddenly uni will feel different. School will feel different. It'll feel different at home when you're in the blessing of God because he wants to show you himself and you're naturally going to bring that out to the people in the life around you. So tonight, the message that I had, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, but I want you to know that Jesus didn't die for nothing. He died because he wanted to know you. 
And he didn't want to leave it at just one moment. He wants to be a part of your every day. He wants to be a part of your life now. He wants you to leave this place with a smile on your face because you are blessed by God. He wants you to go about your business tomorrow knowing that you're not alone, not feeling guilty anymore, not feeling depressed, not feeling anxious, but feeling loved and accepted. He wants you to be blessed. And so clearly he instructed to us, well, avoid these things because they take the blessing away from you. Do these things because that's where my blessing flows. And so I just want to encourage you tonight that you can be blessed. And in being blessed, you will bless others as well. I'll invite the uh, team to come. We're going to sing in a second. But before we do, verse 6 of Psalms 1 actually tells us that the Lord, He knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly leads to destruction. It leads to them perishing. And there's people here tonight who I've been talking about this, but you don't yet know Jesus. You might not know Him. You haven't had that chance where you can invite Him to be your Lord, to be your Savior. Well, tonight I'd love to give you that opportunity. He freely gave His life for you so that you wouldn't have to live in sin anymore and that you could know God again. So just out of respect, if everyone could just close their eyes and bow your head, I'm just going to ask a simple question tonight. If you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to, I would love to pray for you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You might not know what this means, but right now you just know that you want to know Jesus. If that's you tonight, could you just raise your hand for me now so I can see it? I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray for you. If there's anyone here tonight, I just want to give you an opportunity to feel to feel that gift from Jesus. Awesome. Well, at this point as well, you can keep your eyes closed. I'd love to ask for people who, based on what I was saying there, there's been things in your life that you just feel are blocking you from what God wants to do and where He wants to go and where He wants to take you. And even while I was speaking there, you just get this sense, yep, I need to change a couple of things. I need some help. I need, I need God to help me, to give me His strength so that I can be in His blessing. If that's you tonight, could you just put your hand up for me because I want to pray for you as well. I just want to pray that God will be with you, that He will guide you, that you'll know His blessing. That's awesome. Thank you so much. For those hands that are going up, this is simply just a recognition to say, yeah, God, I need your help. I need your spirit. I need your guidance. Awesome. That's so good. Well, let's pray together tonight. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for every hand raised, for every heart raised. God, we know that your desire is that we will be blessed. So I thank you for every heart right now that is open to you. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would bring your support, you would bring your strength, you'd bring your guidance. I thank you, God, for relief from guilt from sin, that people will feel that freedom that they have in you, Jesus. That when we go about our life and there's decisions to be made, I thank you that you will prompt us and lead us in the right direction. And Lord, I just thank you that your people will be blessed. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, church. I'm going to pass back to Pastor Noah. We're going to have a song. Um, but when we go out of this place tonight, know that God wants you to be blessed and He's going to help you make the right decisions so that you get to live the best life that you can with Him. 
So let's focus on those do's. Let's change our life from those don'ts and let's walk in blessing, hey? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.